Will you all join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for supplying us with everything we need. And, and these gifts, they represent our thanksgiving to you. We ask that you'll take our gifts, use them to your kingdom and to your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been... We have been... Uh, working our way through the Lenten season, working our way up to Easter. As I told the kids, this is Palm Sunday. It marks the beginning of Holy Week, uh, a week that changed uh, not just Christianity, but changed the world, the history of mankind, uh, the most significant happening in our, in our world. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we will be uh, celebrating that this week of examining it. And those things I went through earlier, I hope you'll be able to to join with us. But during this time, we've been, uh, we've been focusing on who God calls us to be as Christians, who we are, what is this thing called Christianity about? And unfortunately, in our world, uh, a lot of times Christianity is about feeling comfortable. It's about, uh, you know, doing what makes us feel good. Uh, we, as, long as, as long as you don't push me too far, as long as I don't have to do anything that, that makes me a little nervous, as long as you don't, you know, I don't have to shave my head or do other things, you know, as long as I can feel good about who I am, I'm, I'm in. Unfortunately, that, that's, that's American Christianity, but it's not scriptural Christianity. In fact, what scriptural Christianity says is, you're the least of your worries. That, that you were created not for your happiness. God offers us joy and contentment, but he doesn't offer us happiness. That we are created for a purpose to join him in ministry, to be a part of what he's doing to change the world, to redeem the world, to draw the world back to him. And we, if we're going to be his followers, there's a word that we don't like much, but is a very important word in the Christian vocabulary. We need to sacrifice. It costs to be a disciple. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what does it mean to, what does it take to be a disciple? He said, hey, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself. Okay, deny yourself. In other words, give up your wants, your agenda, your comfort, your plans, your ideas, your control. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. The cross for us is the ultimate symbol of sacrifice. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. Sacrifice, it's a part of Christianity. You know the neat part of it is, though? We don't get to experience because we never give God the chance but he says, if you'll humble yourself, if you will, if you will lay your life down, you're going to get it back and more. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll exalt me, at some point, I'll exalt you. He, it, the prom, we, we just don't get there because we're never willing to lay it down. And so what we've been talking about is, as, as a church, as Christians, what, what do we need to work on to be better? And we started by talking about who we, who we minister to. And there are so many times in the church, so many times in our life that we judge people and we put them into packages and we give them names and we give them uh, little boxes to live in. And it makes us feel good about ourselves, but it's not doing anybody any good. 
And then we put our, our, our church name tag on it, religious name tag on it, and we think, oh, we're justified in doing that. And instead of opening the door to Christ, which is what we're called to do, we're actually getting in the way. And so for, for, for several weeks, we talked about, we want to make sure we're offering Christ to anyone and everyone that comes through. That we are not the judge, that we're not the one that's supposed to make decisions of who's in and who's out. We're just supposed to open the door, share the good news. The Holy Spirit is who convicts. The Holy Spirit is who moves. The Holy Spirit is who changes. We're just supposed to share. Trust God to do that work. Then we switched from who we minister to to how we minister. And over the last three weeks, we have been talking about being willing to do anything and everything to share God's love with others. In the first week, the way we talked about that was uh, we want to make sure we're not creating barriers, extra steps to get to God. That's a lot of what was happening in, in the culture of which Jesus came in. They'd taken God's love and his law and they had created all this levels of bureaucracy with it and stuff, much like the church today. All the levels of, well, yeah, that it says this, but you also have to do this. And, and they'd become a barrier to God's love. We don't want to have barriers. Certainly just coming in this building as a barrier. There's enough barriers to God without us creating more. We want to be an open door. Then last week we talked about being a people that has no fear. That God gives us the opportunity to live in faith, not fear. That we're limited by our fear. That fear keeps us from the best of what God has for us. And we can trust him and move forward not only as a corporate group but as individuals. We do not have to fear. We can live in faith. And this morning what we're going to talk about is we want to be a people. We want to be a church that has no excuse, no excuses. And this is a hard one because we're all really good at excuses, otherwise known as rationalizations, reasons, rationale, logic, whatever, conflict, however you want to word it, whatever is going to zip through there and get you, that's what I'm talking about, okay? We all do it. And church is a favorite place to do that. First of all, people who don't like church, they don't really want to come. Or this is a com- And I was here. This was me. Uh, when I got hurt by the church, I focused my anger and stuff on the people that hurt me. And then it gave me a valid reason not to come to church, which was convenient in college because there was a lot more fun things to do on Sunday morning than to go to church. And by getting mad at individuals, I was able to rationalize that it's their fault, not mine. If people in the church weren't such jerks, then I'd go. If people in the church, if I didn't know so many hypocrites, then I'd trust God more. Well, those were excuses. What it came down to is I was making a choice, but they were excuses. And we all have them. Oh, that church, man, I went there once. I heard the preacher say something about money. That's all they want. I'm never going back there. Oh, man, I... I went in the parking lot one time and somebody opened their car door and dinged it and then didn't even leave a note. Hypocrites. I'm not going back to that church. Hypocrites. And you're, you're chuckling because you've either been there or have you heard that. We, we, we find so many rationalizations in religious life. And even if we're involved, we continue that road. 
yeah, I want to be a part of the church, but yeah, I got kids. Certainly God doesn't expect me to like do anything when I have kids, does he? I, I have a job. I, Jesus was just walking around the earth. I know it said he was a carpenter, but we've never found anything he built. What, uh, I've got a job. What, what, is, what am I supposed to do? I'm old. I'm young. I'm middle-aged. It, we, we find so many excuses. Sunday's my only day off. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And you know why we love excuses? You know what excuses or rationalizations are about? They're, they're a way we make our feel, ourselves feel better for doing something we know is wrong. We, they're a way that we make ourselves feel better for being jerks. And if we were as hard on other people, or if we were as easy on other people as we are on ourselves, because think about it. We can, we can rationalize anything. There is nothing we do that we can't come up with a valid explanation for it, right? But if with other people, man, we hold them to a stand. If we were as easy on other man, the world would be a loving place. We'd never have any problems because we are so easy on ourselves. We, we can talk ourselves out of anything. Excuses. Excuses keep us from being the people we're supposed to be. They allow us to dwell in that mediocrity of nothing, of lukewarmness. They allow us to, to blame other people for our failures. They allow us to, to just live in the world of me. Excuses are not what God called us to. And some of those excuses I went through, that you have kids, that you have family, all that kind of stuff, you know, those are valid concerns. If you got a young family, it takes time. You got to, I mean, if you have a job, there, it, you, there are certain parameters. That, those are valid excuses. My question for you this morning is, are we called to rise above our excuses or to be limited by them? Okay? Rise above them or be limited by them? If there was ever anyone in history who had an excuse, a valid excuse, to give up, in my opinion, it's, it's God. And we can start very early in this. Start in Genesis, the creation of the world. God takes out of nothing and creates everything. Creative power, creative effort, genius, just molding together creation, putting it just the way he wants, perfect in every way, taking care of every detail and every step of the way, and every step of the way, standing back on. That was good. That's exactly the way. There was no mistake in that. That's good. And moving up to where he gets to the height of creation, humanity, puts them together, puts them on earth, sees how it all works together, and says, this is awesome. And says to the people, I have done all of this for you. I've given you everything you need, everything you want. I'm going to be your God. We're going to have this great relationship together. I will. There is nothing you need here. And because I love you so much, and because I know things that you don't, I want to protect you. So stay away over here. Stay away from that. You got everything else you need over here. There's all of creation over here. Just stay away from this. What'd they do? Immediately, right there. Within 
two, three days, screwed up the perfectness of creation. I mean, if there was ever a reason to be upset and give up, I mean, can you imagine? We get upset if we mess up a holiday dinner. You know, you burn the rolls. and Oh, my God. Can you imagine after all the effort and everything, giving them everything, putting all of himself into the creation, and immediately they, they ruin it. He had every right to turn his back and say, I'm done. I'm done. He had a valid excuse, didn't he? It, it, it was valid. If there was ever a good excuse to turn your back on another person, that was it. I literally gave everything, and they refused it. But instead of turning his back, you know what he did? He continued to reach out. And as we go through the Old Testament, we see that he reached out to individuals. And he would try to get their attention. And sometimes they listened, sometimes they wouldn't, and sometimes they responded. But over and over and over, this relationship between God and man, it just kept going wrong. And, and he went from uh, his relationship with people into building a nation. And through that nation, he said, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And those people took that gift, that precious gift of being included in God's plans, and took it from a gift to a possession and began turning, began turning God's love and his grace into something that they thought they controlled and manipulated. And we get to the point of when Jesus comes on the picture in the period between the Old and New Testament, where this gift of God, this relationship, this heart pouring of God is nothing more than a set of rules that even the people that teach them couldn't follow, that there was no heart, no God, no anything in it. And if there was another, if there was a point where God could have said, I'm done. This was it. But instead, it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he, what? That he gave his son to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Instead of saying, I quit, he gave. He moved forward. He gave us his son. And we know where that son's life ended up. 33 years later, it ended on a cross. It ended after him being beaten and, and shamed and mocked and tortured. But God didn't use the excuse to turn away from us. His love was bigger than his excuse. His love would not allow him to, to even consider the excuse. Love is able to move us past our excuses. We're going to look at another example from the New Testament. It's in Luke chapter uh, 19. I'm sorry we don't have the screen this morning, but if you have your Bibles, you want to look with me. It's Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. The story of Palm Sunday precedes this. In Luke 19, about middle of the chapter, if you want to read it later on, is the story of Jesus coming into town and the, the celebration and how they cut down uh, palm leaves and, and cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. The irony of this parade. This is Jerusalem. These are the people. These are his followers. This day, they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, five days later as Jesus is being held in front of the crowds and they, and they are deciding who's going to be killed. 
Barabbas, a notorious criminal, or Jesus, that same crowd changes their chant from Hosanna, Hosanna, to crucify him, crucify him. It's funny how uh, fickle we are as people. But he comes out of this parade. He knows why he's there. We talked last week. He, he went to Jerusalem with the knowledge that he had a sentence on his life that this was going to end in, in pain and sorrow. He, he knew what was coming. He gets past the parade, and here's what it says. Verse 41, But as they came closer to Jerusalem, and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to cry, began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would just understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and the peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept the opportunity for your salvation. What he's saying is, hey, this breaks my heart because I was with the Father when he made you. I was with the Father when, when He poured out everything for you. I've been with the Father through everything. I've seen the extremes that He has gone through to demonstrate how much He loves you. And you all just don't get it. We tried to give you a law to give you a guideline. We tried to give you a covenant to give you hope. We tried to do miracles to give you a sign. We have done everything we could to demonstrate how much we love you. And you just don't get it. Now, if you can put yourself in the, in the place of Jesus, knowing what's coming up that week, knowing what lies ahead, looking out over a city that you know is going to turn their backs on you, that you know is not going to keep a connection with you, that you know is going to let you down, he had every excuse to leave. Come on, guys, let's leave. It's not worth it. But instead... He rose above the excuse. True love does not allow excuses to win. True love does anything and everything to win. True love rises above our excuses. It rises above our fears. It rises above our barriers. It rises above to, demonstrate, to, to change. And because Christ didn't allow excuses to control him, because he was willing to move past the, the logic and the rationale and the reason into love we have a savior and because of what he has done we have new life we have possibility we have hope we have everything laid out before us it's what we celebrate as we remember communion it's it's what we look forward to in communion and we're, we're going to be celebrating communion in just a moment. If, if any of you have kids that you wanted to get out of the children's church to join us, this would be the time to, to go get them. Um, but um, we're, uh, we're going to be looking at just what, it, what this gift that God gave, this thing we celebrate this week, What were the depths of love that drove God to do that on our behalf? A people that are so broken, 
that they can't even focus on him for, for a day. A people so selfish that they can walk past need over and over again. A people so self-involved that they, they can't even see the evil within them but are happy to point it out in everyone else. That, that, those people are me. Those people are you. And with all of that, with every valid reason, with every valid excuse, instead of turning away, instead of rationalizing it away, God gave. If you want the heart of the gospel, you don't even need to memorize all of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. That's an amazing concept to think of a God all-powerful, all knowledgeable, able to do anything you want. We don't, we don't, we rush right past this, but he was in no position to have to give. He's in a position to receive. And yet God's love was so amazing that he gave. He gave. To people that didn't deserve it, to people who didn't accept it, to people who, who never really get it. That night he was with his friends. It was in the upper room. And they were going through a ritual. They were well accustomed. It was a ritual that had started back with with Moses as they were being led out of Egypt, as God was winning their freedom out of Egypt. And they were used to the idea of a sacrificial lamb. They were, used to, uh, they were used to a Passover sacrifice, that you shed the blood of an animal in order to, to appease God temporarily, to, in order to, to show your love for him. And Jesus took some bread on the table and he broke it before him and he said, you know, this bread represents what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to allow myself to be broken for you. You're used, to a, you're used to a sacrifice of an animal. I'm making a sacrifice that's going to supersede all of that. I'm going to become the Passover lamb for all of mankind. I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing that, that you all need. I'm going to do it for free for anyone who will accept. And whenever you eat this bread, I want you to remember that. Whenever you share in this, this sacrament, I want you to remember the depths of my love for you. Then he took the juice, the wine at the table. And he said, if you remember what happened with Moses, the the tenth plague was the killing of the firstborn son. And God's people were told that if you will put blood on your door, that the angel of death will pass over and you'll, you'll receive life. He says, I'm making a, a sacrifice that will keep the angel of death from passing over anyone ever. Through me, you can have eternal life. Through me, I will conquer death. I will conquer sin. I will conquer the things that, that bind you if you'll accept the gift of my blood on your behalf. It's offered not just for the people who know me, not just for the people that call themselves by a certain name, but offered to anyone and everyone that wants to receive it. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for your gift of love to us. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for us. And God, as we bow our heads this morning, as we get ready to receive communion, 
we want you to move by your Holy Spirit to make these elements much more than just bread and juice for us. Help us as we receive them to, to understand the sacrifice you made, the, the depth of your love for us. And we pray that through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.